morning. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord. Looking forward to a wonderful day in the Lord's house. Let's go ahead and go to in prayer and see what he has for us this morning. Brother Travis, sir, would you open us in a word of prayer? Everybody's doing pretty well. Had a good weekend. I'm a little sore this morning. I fell. So, but go ahead and turn over 99. Let's go ahead and stand. 99. We'll do the first, second, and fourth. Christ that no one else can compare to, and we can always lean on him in our time of trouble and need.
message Miss Christie's going to sing. The sun is shining bright. My heart is filled with gladness. Here above the cares of life. But I just cut through the valley of trouble, fear, and pain. It is there I came to know my God. Enough to stand and say. Thank you for that song, Miss Christie. I, I appreciate that. My favorite singer. And uh, uh, but uh, even in the valley, God is good. No matter what you're going through, uh, we can look to Him and know that God's good. And uh, there's a purpose and a plan behind every valley. And uh, I'm thankful that God is in that valley with us. And so uh, it's a joy to have Brother Bruce, Pastor Bruce Burkett, with us uh, this morning. He's a, a friend of mine. I. I met this uh, this young man uh, he was just about this tall now he's this tall and uh, but I met him when he was just a child he and his his uh, his dad uh, was uh, good we've been good friends through for many years and uh, Bruce was in the youth group for a short period of time with me and uh, turned out to be a tremendous uh, pastor and I've heard him preach him a few times and uh, um, I was just really encouraged by um, uh, just his preaching and uh, how his growth, his growth, his spiritual growth throughout the years, and just Lord impressed on my heart to have him come this morning. Uh, pray for him. Um, they, their family 
are in bereavement at this time. They, um, Brother Leroy's dad went home to be with the Lord. And uh, I say that because he was a Christian man, loved the Lord. And uh, Brother Bruce came up to do the funeral. And it's always a joy to be able to uh, do a funeral for someone that you know uh, that is going to be in heaven. And you'll see him again. It's not goodbye, but I'll see you later. And so uh, done a wonderful job with that. And so I appreciate he and his family. I'll let him introduce his family uh, for just a, a moment. And then uh, you prepare your hearts as the Lord uh, speaks to you this morning. Then right after services, uh, we have a baptismal service. So uh, we're looking forward to that as well. Brother Bruce, sir, would you come? Well, it was my great privilege to be here today. And I appreciate uh, Pastor Brown and this church. I've already fallen in love with this church. And uh, thankful for the opportunity to be here. I love uh, the local church. And I appreciate the fact that all over this country, all over this world, there's people gathering today for the same purpose. And that purpose is just to worship Jesus. And uh, he really is worthy of it. Uh, I appreciate Pastor uh, Ricky Brown and the influence he's had on my life. And uh, the church that I grew up in is a church I was saved in. Uh, he was one of the men that I looked up to when I was young. And, uh, of course, I, I appreciate now the privilege of being able to, to come back here and um, be able to preach. I'd rather be hearing him preach, but he's asked me to preach. So that's kind of a conflict of interest. But uh, we're going to have a good time in the scriptures together today anyways. Now, I already know I'm of kindred spirit with you um, because I heard the story about the deer. All right? And uh, I tell you what, I, what I was thinking is maybe we should preach a message on prayer and, and praying more specifically, all right? Uh, you might have been praying for some deer meat for that Mother's Day, but you need to ask more specifically on how you get it next time, okay? Uh, no, <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I'm from a country church. I pastor at Lighthouse Baptist Church in Cortez, Colorado. It's a town of 8,000 people, and uh, we are uh, loving every second of being out there. Um, but I know what it's like to be uh, a rural church, and I, I don't think that there's a better place to be. Uh, I love our people, and I love, I love the whole setting of being uh, a little bit more out in the country. And uh, so I, I, I am a kindred spirit with you all on that type of thing here today. Well, let's take our Bibles and go to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11 is uh, where we're going to be at in the Scriptures today. It's good to have my mom and dad with us. And uh, they're sitting right up here in the second row, and then my wife is sitting beside them. I've got two little girls. I've got a four-year-old girl. Uh, her name is Hattie. And then I, uh, a girl about to turn one on March 26th. Her name is Hazel. Uh, Hazel was the name of my grandpa's mother. And uh, so uh, we, we named her after that. Uh, my grandpa just graduated to heaven on Monday of this past week. And yesterday we preached his funeral. And praise God, there was one person who told me they trusted Christ as their Savior. And I appreciate the Lord doing that and give him the praise for that. Then I've got my brother and his wife here as well. Uh, he, Travis spoke to the teenagers in Tesla, he's a, a youth pastor in Pennsylvania. And the whole family uh, is here together um, because of the funeral and such. And I, these opportunities seem like they're fewer and far between with how spread out we are. And so I really appreciate the time we're able to be together. Now, the title for today's message is simply this, The Consequences of Complaining. I know you're really excited about that, aren't you? But that's what the Lord has directed my heart to. As soon as uh, Pastor Brown asked me to preach, I just could not get this message off of my heart and mind. And so that's what we'll be at in Numbers chapter 11. We'll get there in just a moment. As Americans, we enjoy the commodities of the most prosperous nation in the world. And uh, I don't think any of you... Uh, would disagree with me on that fact. We are blessed as a nation, and we are a prosperous nation, even still to this day. And even so, it's easy for us to find reasons to complain because of how good we have it. We don't really take the time to realize how other people have it in this world. Uh, and, and so we tend to be that way, especially as Americans. And uh, though we have more reason to be grateful than probably any other people group in the world, we often find plenty of reasons to grumble and to complain about the things that we're going through in our life. I heard the story about a man that joined a monastery. And uh, the head monk told him at his indoctrination that he was to be sworn to total silence for the rest of his life to meditate on the things of God. And, but he told him every ten years he'd let him say two words. And so the man began 
his time in the monastery there and was silent for 10 years. And at the end of the 10 years, his headmaster came to him and told him it was time for him to say his two words. And what he came up with was, bed hard. And then he resumed his silence for the next 10 years. After the next, another 10 years passed, it was time for him to again be able to say his two words. And his head monk told him, all right, go ahead and say the next two words. And he said, food bad. And then he resumed his 10 years of silence again. And after another 10 years passed, head monk again indicated it was time for him to say his two words. And he said, I quit. <laughs> and the head monk said, I knew this was coming. All you've done is complain for the last 30 years. <laughs> now, we're not careful we get into that same boat. But right off the bat, let's ask the question, what is complaining? We need to understand exactly what it is. Complaining is commonly defined as the act of expressing dissatisfaction or annoyance about a state of affairs or events. I once heard Evangelist Will Rise the Fourth define complaining as the expressed desire to change something that is outside my own control. That is what complaining is. And whether or not we realize it, oftentimes um, uh, we are guilty of complaining. And you know, when we think about sins... Uh, I would dare say that in all of our minds, one of the worst sins in the world is not complaining. There are other things that we as human beings would categorize as being worse than complaining. But the truth is, complaining has become a way of life for many of us. And that's why we don't think about it very often. And I think that there's more of us in this boat than would like to admit it. For the people of Israel, the matter of complaining had become a way of life. And we see it all throughout their history that's recorded in the Old Testament. And so we're in Numbers chapter 11. And I want you to notice in verse number 1 what the Bible says. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Now understand, right after this took place, the Bible goes on to tell us what happened next. Notice in verse number 3 uh, what the Bible says. Uh, or sorry, verse number four. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish, and that which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away, and there is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Well, you can see complaining had become a problem in Israel. And it's often a problem for us as well. And let me just make this clear right from the start as we begin. Complaining is a terrible sin in the eyes of God. Did you hear me? Complaining is a terrible sin in the eyes of God. It can never produce positive results. Only negative. That's the only thing that is going to come out of it. Now, I mentioned Things like complaining, things like gossip, these are almost things that we laugh about today. And we say, oh, I know I'm guilty of it sometimes. We don't take something like this as serious as what I truly believe God does in the scriptures. And so for just a few moments this morning, we're going to discover four negative impacts of complaining right here from the word of God. This is what I'd like to ask you to do as we begin. Will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And we ask the Lord to speak to your heart. Now don't think in your heart, this message is for my husband. Don't get your elbows warmed up and ready to go, you know what I'm saying? Bumping your husband. This message is for each one of us. Let's let God speak to our hearts individually about what we need today. Father, we come before you and we pray that you will speak to our hearts this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, speak through your uh, word today, uh, through my voice, but your word, your voice speaking uh, to your people, and I pray every person who's saved in here that the Holy Spirit of God would communicate to them the message they need today. And for those who don't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray your Holy Spirit would bring them to the realization of their desperate need for Jesus and their need for salvation. And I pray you'd minister to our needs, our spiritual need. Give us the spiritual meat and nourishment we need to give us the strength the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to notice this morning four negative impacts of complaining. You can write this down first if you're in the habit of taking notes. The first negative impact is this. Complaining displeases the Lord. Complaining displeases the Lord. In verse number one, the Bible plainly tells us how God felt 
about the complaining of his people. The Bible says there, and when the people complained, it what? All right, let's, let's try this together because this is going to be a really long service if, uh, if you don't help me out a little bit. See, we don't start till 1045 at my church, and uh, I've got a lot more time this morning, all right? And so I'm pretty excited about that, and I'll use every second of it if you make me, all right? Now, by the way, this is one message that you can't complain about. Just going to put that out there. Um, but verse number one, let's try it again. The Bible says, and when the people complained, it what? displeased the Lord. It displeased the Lord. And that's what complaining does. It displeases the Lord. Let me just say, God doesn't like it when His people complain. His people. The people that have more reason than anybody else to be satisfied. To be happy. To be content. To be be satisfied. And yet we oftentimes are the ones most guilty of finding reasons to complain. But complaining displeases the Lord. I want us to consider as we look at the Scripture here the reasons why we know God's displeased when we complain. In verse number 1, first of all, we see God hears it. See, the Bible said there in verse 1, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the next phrase says, And the Lord heard it. You see that there? It says, And the Lord heard it. Now, we like to think that there are some things in our life that nobody knows. The things that we mutter under our breath about what's going on and about our circumstances, the things that we think on in our minds that we're not satisfied with, we like to think that those are the types of things that nobody ever really is going to know about. But can I tell you that there is someone who always knows what you're thinking? There is someone who always knows the things that you mutter under your breath, the things that you like to grumble and to complain about. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And there's not a thought you'll think, there's not a word that you'll say that you'll not give account thereof in the day of judgment, the Bible says. God knows everything that we think. He knows everything that's going on in our mind. And you can mark it down, friend. God hates it. When we complain. He doesn't like it. And he hears you when you complain. He hears everything that comes out of your mouth. And by the way, if God, if all God is hearing is your complaining, what God is not hearing is your calling. If all he hears from you is the grumbling and complaining, well, God, why are things going this way in my life right now? That's all God hears from you. And what he's not hearing from you is you spending time talking to him. You know, you'd be a whole lot smarter to give your burdens to the Lord than to complain to the Lord about why well, he's not taking care of your burdens. We often get these things so backwards. But you see, the truth of the matter is complaining displeases the Lord because first of all, God hears it when we complain. The Bible says in Isaiah 59 and verse number one, behold, the Lord's ear is not heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not or cannot hear you. And it might be that it's not that God is not trying to listen to you. It might be that all God is hearing from you is your complaining That's why your circumstance is not changing. We are so good at being this way, at being a grumbling, complaining people. So I wonder this morning, what is God hearing from your mouth? What is God hearing from your mouth on a regular basis? Complaining displeases the Lord. Why? Because God hears it, but secondly, because God hates it. Look at verse number one again. The Bible says, when the people complained, the next part of the verse says that the Lord's anger was kindled. His anger was kindled. Now, I'm from Colorado. And in Colorado, uh, I imagine some of you know what this is too, but in Colorado especially, we understand exactly what kindling is. It's that little bit of sticks and paper that you use to get the fire started. You know what I'm talking about? And that's the same idea that's communicated when the Bible says the Lord's anger was kindled. That word kindled literally conveys the idea of being sparked or being made furious. Now I personally know what it's like to kindle someone's anger. I had a situation when I was a kid. My mom's here so I can tell this story and it's not gossip. It's against myself anyways. But I remember when I was a kid, I got old enough and prideful enough I did something wrong, and my mom went to spank me, and she spanked me, and what did I do? I turned around and said those dreaded words I regret ever saying. I said, that didn't hurt. Now, some of you did that, too. I know you did. 
but I said it. Can I tell you something? It hurt after that. <laughs> and it hurt even worse when dad came home too. <laughs> I, I, I figured out exactly what it was like to kindle someone's anger after that whole situation took place right there. And so I know exactly what that feels like, but you can mark it down. Complaining ignites the anger of God. That's what complaining does. And by the way, if there's one person in this world I do not want to set off, it is God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And you are igniting God's anger against you by complaining about what God is allowing or what God has already provided for you in your life. You can mark it down. Complaining displeases the Lord. Why? Because God hears it. Because God hates it. But notice this as well. Because God will handle it. He will handle it. In verse number one, uh, the Bible goes on to tell us here. And when the people complained, the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that they were that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And so what we see here is that the fire of God's judgment fell when his anger was ignited from the complaining of the people all over the scripture. The Bible teaches us over and over again some important truths about God's anger towards sin you hear me this morning? God is not happy when sin is present in any of our lives. God is justly angry with sinners every day. Psalm chapter 7 and verse 11, the Bible says, God judgeth the righteous and he's angry with the wicked every day. He is the righteous judge. He won't put up with sin. He's angry with the wicked every day. God also has a righteous anger towards his own children, though it's not just against sinners who don't know him. It's against his own children, and he will discipline us. He will chasten us when we don't live according to his ways. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a son, uh, in whom, uh, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. And so suffice it to say, God hates sin, and he hates it, when we sin. And by the way, he will deal with it. He will deal with it. You see, when Israel complained, God said, let me give you a reason to complain. <laughs> Have you ever heard your parents say that before? And God knows just how. You see, if you think you have something to complain about, you just hold on a minute. God can give you something to complain about if you think you need something to complain about. But he'd rather not do that. He'd just rather us not start doing it. First thing I want you to understand about complaining, the first negative impact it has upon our lives is that it displeases the Lord. And by the way, that should stop us from wanting to do it right there. I don't want to live my life doing something that's displeasing to my Lord. The first thing we see is that it displeases the Lord. But the second thing I want you to notice this morning is that complaining distorts the mind. It distorts the mind. Now mark this down. Complaining distorts our perception without actually changing our reality. Complaining distorts our perception without actually changing our reality. And I want you to notice from the scriptures here how complaining begins to distort our minds. First, I want you to see the mind is moved to be lustful. The mind is moved to be lustful. In verse number four, the Bible says, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a what? Oh, you're not looking with me. I told you this is going to take a really long time unless you help me out this morning. Verse number four, the Bible says, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a what? Lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? What we begin to see, the Bible talks about their lusting. They fell a lusting in their lust. What they wanted was meat, while what God had given them was manna. All they could see of what they wanted, not what God had given them. And the result was that they began to complain, but I want you to notice why they begin to lust in particular. In verse number four, the Bible says, and the who? Mixed multitude lusted. The mixed multitude, we find, were the ones that lusted first. And then all the other people followed suit. I'm only going to get into exactly who the mixed multitude was, but I will tell you the mixed multitude is a picture of those among us who are, are of this world Either because they are not saved or because they are carnal, worldly Christians, it is a picture of those among us who are of this world. And let me just say, when we allow the appetites of the world to get into our hearts, we will cease to be content with what God has to offer us. 
Because we'll start desiring something else other than what God intended for us to have. And by the way, that's why God tells us in the scripture to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away. And the lusts thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You understand something? There's a reason God doesn't want us to love the things of this world, because he knows when we start loving the world, we'll start lusting after the things of the world. And the result will be complaining because we don't have what we think we want. We just be content with what God has already given us. God has given us so much more than we deserve already. We lose sight of that when we start getting an appetite for the things of this world. And there's that mixed multitude among them that started drawing their desires away and led to a complaining spirit distorts the mind. That's what complaining does. And we find the mind is first moved to be lustful, but then notice this as well. The mind is moved to be forgetful. Notice in verse number five. Look at your Bibles with me. Numbers 11, verse number five. The Bible says, the children of Israel say, we remember the fish which we did eat uh, uh, in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Man, their breath must have smelled, smelled horrible. Onions and garlic and leeks, I tell you what. They're complaining because they don't have that stuff anymore. It becomes so easy for them to remember only the good about what they used to have while acknowledging only the bad about what they now had. Would you like to have the melons again, Israel, and the leeks and the onions and the garlic and be in slavery still? What you do have is your freedom. God's leading you to the promised land and has given you miraculous bread from heaven, manna. And yet they couldn't think about the good of what they had because they'd forgotten about the bad of where they'd been. You see how complaining begins to distort the mind? It's exactly what was happening for Israel. And the truth is, when we complain, our mind is moved to be forgetful about what we actually have been given. Note this down. A complainer is good at remembering the positives of his previous situation. Well, the truth of the matter is, when he was there, all he was doing was complaining about it then too. That's what a complainer is good at. Oh, I remember how it used to be, but now look where I'm at. It's so horrible being here now. Also this, a complainer is good at forgetting the positives about his current situation. You can't see any positive here. All I can remember is, well, it used to be good, but it's no good anymore. You know, uh, what we find here in the scripture, if you look at the record of the history of Israel, is that Israel continually complained. And the reason why they continually complained is because they continually forgot what God had done for them. What God was doing for them. Take your Bibles. Keep your place there in Numbers 11. We'll come back. We'll go to Psalm chapter 106. Psalm chapter 106. Let me show you what the Lord says here in Psalm 106. In verse number 13. Give you a second to get there. Notice how Israel forgot what God did. Psalm 106 and verse 13. If you're there, say Amen. The Bible says, they soon forgot his works. And they waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Down in verse number 21, notice the Bible says, they forgot God, their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea why did they begin to complain? Because they forgot. The complaining spirit began to distort their mind where they forgot all that God did for them. The ten plagues and how he'd brought them out of Egypt. How he'd given them their freedom. How he'd parted the Red Sea and led them straight across. How he provided them food in the middle of the wilderness where they should not have had food. How he'd made water come forth from a rock to quench their thirst. They forgot God. And what he'd done for them. Maybe the reason you're so guilty of complaining all the time today is because you've forgotten what God has done for you. Your complaining has distorted your mind. Your mind's been moved to be lustful. Your mind's been moved to be forgetful. But notice this as well. The mind is, is also moved to be unthankful. Unthankful. And that's ultimately what complaining, complaining is and leads to. 
Notice in verse number 6 what Israel continued to say. Verse number 6 in Numbers chapter 11. If you need to turn back over there, verse number 6. The Bible says in verse 6, Israel said, but now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. You see what we see is happening here is that the Israelites had ceased to be thankful for what God had given to them. Manna was a miracle. In Psalm chapter 78, verse 25, the Bible literally calls it angel's food. You know what manna means? Manna means, what is it? <laughs> because when God sent it from heaven, he promised he'd provide him food. And God sent it from heaven. And the people of Israel came to the ground and picked it up and they said, what is it? <laughs> That's what they kept calling it. Manna. Nobody knew what it was. But it was good. It was good, the Bible describes it being. And there in the wilderness, throughout all of their time being in the wilderness, God continued to provide them with that manna, but they weren't content. They weren't satisfied with what God had given to them. They began to become unthankful. And I wonder this morning, have you so taken God's miracles for granted that you've ceased to be thankful when God works in your life? Have you so taken His miracles for granted and His working in your life that you have started to be unthankful for what God is doing? Now, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. Last year, uh, my wife and I, we uh, went to go celebrate our anniversary in a place called Pagosa Springs. Some of you ever heard of Pagosa Springs in Colorado? Beautiful place. I hate Pagosa Springs now, though. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we go to Pagosa Springs, and we'd reserve this room at a bed and breakfast there, and we were looking forward to uh, celebrating our fifth anniversary there. And uh, we, we go to Pagosa there, and on the trip over, driving from Cortez is about two hours, and... and uh, uh, I got a phone call from the place where we were supposed to be staying. And they said, we have uh, the company that you reserved your room through doesn't work well with our, our computer system. And we didn't know you'd book the room. And we've already booked that room out. We don't have a place for you to stay. But they said, but, oh, don't worry about it. We've got a friend here in town who has an apartment connected to her house. And, and we're going to put you all there. i tell you what, I got off the phone and I thought, man, I hated that place. <laughs> I was mad as could be. We drove the rest of the way there. We got to that house and uh, that, that apartment that they had for us there. And I got inside and I said, well, this is horrible. That bed's horrible. The bathroom's horrible. There's not enough room in here. And everything was wrong in my eyes that could be wrong because I wasn't getting what I was expecting. I was expecting to have that nice cabin there uh, where Emily and I would be alone uh, for our anniversary. And I didn't get what I wanted to have. And this is what happened for me. I became lustful for a better room. I became forgetful of the nice room that I had. And I became unthankful for the effort set forth by that bed and breakfast to accommodate me. They didn't have to do it. And by the way, they paid for my room. You say, you're a horrible person. Yeah, I know I am. But I was mad. I got on Facebook. I know some of you don't do that. But I got on Facebook. I wrote a mean review. I was so mad at them. And uh, the next day, Emily and I went to go spend the day together. It was a miserable day. And it wasn't because it had to be. It was because of my spirit. Because complaining had twisted my mind. And everything we did was horrible. Oh, I hate this town. I hate this food. I hate this. I hate that. That's what had happened for me. And on the way home, Emily said something, and God convicted my heart. And I realized my spirit and how it had affected everything that was taking place. And I'll tell you something. I realized right then and there that complaining distorts the mind. By the way, I went back and apologized, took off the mean review, and I realized the error of my own spirit, and I got my heart right with the Lord. But the fact I want you to see is that it's easy for us to become unthankful. It's easy for us to become unthankful for the miraculous manna that God provided for us because we're so focused on the mystery meat that we want to have. Israel lost sight of how Wonderful the man it was that God had given them because they wanted that mystery meat. By the way, it's been my experience that mystery meat isn't normally very good anyways. I've got some stories about that too that we won't tell. So often we start to complain because, oh, there's just something over here that we think we want, but it's nowhere near as good as what God has for us if we take a moment to think about it. And that's why God tells us clearly what our attitude ought to be concerning what we have. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. The Bible says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, without lustfulness, and be content with such things as you have. 
You know who knows what you need better than you know what you need? God. You know who said, my God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus? That's the word of God. He knows what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You can trust him with your needs. Don't grumble and complain about what he gives to you. He knows what you need better than what you know what you need. And how often we get to that place. And so we find the cure grumbling spirit is a grateful spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. In everything, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now understand something. God doesn't say for us to give thanks for everything. But he says in everything, give thanks. You say, what's the difference? Well, my grandpa passed away this week. I didn't get on the phone and say, oh, thank you, Jesus, my grandpa passed away. That's not exactly what I said. I'm not saying that facetiously. That's not how we think about all the things that happen in our life. But in everything, we have a reason to be thankful. And I was able to say, thank God for his life and the difference he made. See, there's always a reason to be thankful. There's always a reason. But when we allow complaining to come in, it begins to distort our mind. We become lustful. We become forgetful. We become unthankful. Oh, be careful of it, complaining. It displeases the Lord. It distorts the mind. But the third thing I want you to see this morning is that complaining distracts the leadership. You hear me this morning? Complaining distracts the leadership. Now, we don't have a whole lot of time to park here for sake of time this morning. But let me begin by saying this. When you complain, you distract the people in your life who are the most concerned with your success from helping you to succeed. That's what happens when you begin to complain. And I want you to see uh, how the leader gets distracted when we complain. First in the scripture here in verse number 10, we see that he is distracted by displeasure. He is distracted by displeasure. In verse 10, notice what the Bible says. Then Moses, he was the leader of Israel. The Bible says, Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled. And the last part of the verse says, Moses also was what? Displeased. All right, there's two people. You're helping me out a little bit. All right? Uh, we're, we're getting there. We're working together on this. All right? But the last part of the verse says, in verse number 10, Moses also was what? Displeased. See, the first way you distract the leadership by your complaining is that he is distracted by displeasure. You see, complaining frustrates the authorities in your life. And I want you to see where this type of attitude towards leadership culminates. We'll go to Numbers chapter number 20 with me very quickly. Numbers chapter number 20 with me. Notice what happened later in Israel's history to Moses because of Israel's complaining. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 20 and verse number 2, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say oh me. Oh, okay. Well, just trying to catch you off guard a little bit. Numbers chapter 20 and verse 2, it says, And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that he had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And then as you continue with the story in verse 7, notice what happened. And the Lord said unto Moses, spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye into the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. And so shalt thou give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto him, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand with his rod and smote the rock twice. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Moses had to deal with the continual complaining of the nation, the people of Israel. And it eventually led him to a place of frustration where he reacted to their complaining in such a way where he disobeyed the command of God. God had told him to speak to the rock. Instead of doing what God said, he hit it twice. Water did come out, but it resulted in God not allowing Moses to lead the children of Israel 
into the promised land. And you know, Israel's continually complaining eventually led their leader to do something out of frustration that kept him from being able to lead them where God wanted them to go. Let me just stop right here for a moment and say, teenager, are you listening this morning? Teenager, you hurt both your parents and yourself by continually complaining about what they're trying to tell you to do in your life. You think you're hurting them, you're hurting yourself. You're preventing them from leading you where God is trying to tell them they need to lead you to go. And by the way, on the same token, employee, you're you're not just hurting your employer, you're hurting yourself by continually complaining about all the things that are going on in your workplace. Instead of trying to be a help, you're trying to hurt the process. You're not helping anybody. Church member, your continual complaining is doing nothing to help the issues that are going on that you see. In fact, you're distracting the leadership. And you're preventing them from helping you to go to the place where God knows that you need to go. And we see this happening all over the place. We see it happening for the citizens in our country. We're real good about complaining about all the decisions that are being made. We never make a phone call to our politicians. We never make a phone call to try to make a difference. We don't even go to vote sometimes, some of us. We're very good about complaining and doing nothing. And that's exactly where Israel was. But the problem was, with all of their complaining, it distracted the leadership. And we see that he is distracted by displeasure, but we see also that he is distracted by discouragement. Now, go back to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. If you're still with me this morning, say amen. Amen. Numbers chapter 11. And I want you to notice Moses' second response as the people began to complain. And uh, let's, let's just for sake of time go to verse number 13. And the Bible said that Moses said, Whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? And in verse 14 he said, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. <coughs> and he prayed to the Lord and said, And if thou Deal thus with me. Kill me, I pray thee, out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. Moses was flat out discouraged. That's where he was at. And he literally asked for God to take his life here. And the truth is, most of us do not realize how discouraging we are to the person we complain about or the person that we complain to. We don't understand how discouraging we really are. Let me say this, and you listen to me, parents. Whether you have grown children or children still in home, listen to me. Many a child has taken their own life because of a complaining parent. Well, why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like that kid over there? Why can't you? Well, if I can't be like them, then I guess you don't want me here. You catch somebody at the right moment, that's led to many a young person taking their own life. You say, complaining? Yes, complaining. By the way, many a spouse has walked away from a marriage because of a complaining husband or a nagging wife. Many a pastor has stepped down because of a complaining membership. Well, I think they'll just be better off without me. Nobody really wants me to be here anyways. That's what complaining leads to. Teddy Roosevelt once said, Complaining about a problem without proposing a solution is not complaining. It's called whining. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. We need people to strive not to be hurtful, be helpful with the comments that they make. Trust me, uh, there's not a week that goes by where I don't hear some complaint in some way. But I'm always encouraged when someone comes and they don't complain, they give constructive criticism is what I call it. If you come to me and say, hey, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but you repeated yourself about 500 times during that message. (laughs) Uh, You said the same thing over. And uh, they're not coming to be offensive to me. They're coming to be helpful to me. They're They're trying to help me. There's a way that you can come with something negative and propose a solution. You can be helpful. The problem is a lot of times when we complain, our intention is just to be hurtful. Our intention is just to tear down. Oh, it happens all the time. Why is complaining such an issue? Well, because complaining distracts the leadership. He is distracted by displeasure. He is distracted by discouragement. But notice this as well. He is distracted by the need for delegation. 
Look at verse number 16 in the scripture and we'll move along here. Let me just summarize for sake of time. In verses 16 and 17, we find there was another distraction Moses had to deal with. And what we find is that with all the new problems presented from the people, he needed to find men he could trust to delegate authority to to deal with all of the new issues. And let me, let me just summarize this point by saying this. A complainer, all they are is a problem creator, not a problem solver. You know, most of the employee handbooks that each one of us have at our businesses, most of the rules, most of the regulations that had to be put into those handbooks is because of so-and-so. Because all they knew to do was to gripe and complain and to stir up trouble, and that's exactly why all of our handbooks are 50, 100, 200 pages long. <laughs> because that's what a complaining person does. All they like to do is stir up trouble. And you are hindering the progress of your home. You are hindering the progress of your workplace. You are hindering the progress of your local church when you feel like your God-given spiritual gift is complaining. <laughs> well, God just, that's my gift. <laughs> I, I can just find out all the problems that are going on and just whine about them all day. That is not a spiritual gift, by the way. But some of us are still very good at it. The problem with complaining is it distracts the leadership. He's distracted by displeasure. He's distracted by discouragement. He's distracted by the need for delegation. But then notice this as well. He's distracted by doubt. Go back to Numbers 11 and look at verse number 21. We will read this. The Bible says in verse number 21, And Moses said, The people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen. And thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. Now, with all the pressure he was receiving from the people, notice this, even Moses. Moses, whom God had used to lead in the ten plagues in Egypt. Moses, whom God had used to raise his rod up and the Red Sea parted. Moses, whom God had used to call water out of a rock. Moses, whom God had used to see so many amazing things happen already. Because of all the complaining of the people, even Moses began to doubt that God could do what he said he would do. If you complain loud enough and long enough, you're going to distract the leadership of your church, and you might even get him to the place where he doubts, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here anymore. I don't know if I, I can be the dad that uh, she thinks I need to be or the husband that she thinks I need to be. I don't know if I can be the pastor that they think I need to be. I don't know if I... You get in the place where they doubt that God can do what he said he would do. Oh, that's a, that's a dangerous place to get someone to. And I want you to understand, women, you're continually nagging at your husband is not going to encourage him to be the man of faith to lead your home that you want him to be. Well, why can't you... Read your Bible more, and why can't you lead us in family devotions more, and why can't you? You think that's really going to encourage him to be the man of God that he needs to be? Why don't you get on your knees and pray for him? You'll be doing a whole lot better. And there's a lot of things I could say along those lines. We understand something. Your complaining is hindering the people in your life who have your best interest in mind, who want to help lead you forward hindering those people from being able to do what God has called them to do. That's what we begin to see happening place here in the scripture. And so why is complaining such an issue? It displeases the Lord. It distorts the mind. <coughs> it distorts the mind. It distracts the leadership. But the final thing I want you to see this morning is that complaining devastates the people. If you're still with me this morning, say amen. amen. It devastates the people. Now, go to verse number 18 in the scripture. I want you to see here that God pronounced what the consequence was going to be for the continual complaining of the people. In Numbers chapter 11 and verse 18, the Bible says, God told Moses, And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt, therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. 
And ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month until it come out of your nostrils. And it be loathsome unto you, because that ye have despised the Lord which is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? And God said, All right, you want, you want meat? I'll give you meat. But what we find is that instead of responding to God's word with humility and repentance and saying, God, I'm sorry. I was unthankful. I was complaining. Instead of responding with humility and repentance and realizing their spirit, we find that many of the people continued on in their lust for meat. And thus when God brought the meat later in the chapter, what we find is that it came at the cost of the very lives of those lustful people. Look at verse 31. The Bible says, And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, and as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all that day, and all that night, and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten omers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. And while the flesh was still between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kibroth Hatava, because there they buried the people that lusted. And the people journeyed from Kibroth Hatava until Hazaroth and abode at Hazaroth. And what we begin to see took place is that while complaining had a negative impact on everyone else, the ones who were the most negatively impacted were the ones that had complained themselves. You might think, well, if I grumble about this little while, I might get my way. What you don't realize is that in your grumbling, you're going to be the one that pays the most for it. By the way, if your complaining does not cost you your life, what it will cost you is the joy of living that's what it will cost you. I heard a story about a man named Gary. He was having a yard sale and he was selling a lawnmower. And a guy came along. He was his preacher. He said, I want that lawnmower. He bought the lawnmower and took it home. And after a couple of days, he brought it back and said, the thing doesn't work. I can't get it to start. I said, oh, you got to cuss at it a little bit to get it to start. And uh, the preacher said, I have been in the ministry for, for many years and well, I haven't cussed in over 30 years. And the guy said, start pulling that rope right there. It'll come back to you real quick. <laughs> the truth is, it doesn't take much for complaining to become a habit in our life. It doesn't take much for any of us. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. It doesn't take much for it to become a habit in our life. And far too many people stop enjoying the life they have because they're too busy grumbling about what they do not have or what they cannot control. You can't change some of the circumstances in your life. You're not going to get everything you think you want in life either. But you can be thankful for what God does bless you with. You can be thankful for the family God has given you. You can be thankful for the possessions God has given you. You can be thankful for the church God has given you. By the way, I've been around the country. I've traveled on tour groups, and I've preached in a lot of different places, and you have a good church here. You can pick it apart. You can try to be, you can, but you're not going to find a perfect church. You can keep trying, but you're not going to do it. You know why churches aren't perfect? Because of you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because of people like you and me. As long as we're in a church... We're not going to be, the church is not going to be perfect. It's going to have problems, it's going to have issues, but you have a good church here. You can pick apart your family, you can pick apart your home, you can pick apart your city, you can pick apart your job, you can do all of those things, but when it comes down to it, it's a choice. As much as it is a choice to complain, it's also a choice to be content and not to complain. I heard the story about a woman named Eunice Sanborn. On November 4, 2010, it was her 114th birthday. She's no longer living. But at that time, she was the oldest person in the world. And so a, a news group came together to interview there, her there on, that, uh, on her 114th birthday. And she said during that interview that she loved everything about her life. And literally what she said is that she had no complaints. Now I guarantee you, after 114 years in this world, 
she would have had plenty of things to find a reason to complain about. But after 114 years, she said, I have no complaints. And that demonstrates something to us. And that's simply this, complaining is a choice. Complaining is a choice. And so I wonder, what is your choice going to be when it comes to this matter of complaining? All of us could find a reason to complain about something in our lives, something that's going on. But the correct choice is to choose to be content with such things as we have. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. As long as I have him. And he said he'll never leave me. I have every reason in the world to be completely satisfied at all times. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I wonder where your heart is on this issue today. I want everyone to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Understand this morning.